Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 170. I'm your host, Blaine Pudvay. I'm joined now by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Good evening. And Treg Wilson. Hello. All three together again. We uh, delayed recording a little bit so that we can make sure Matt is here after a extremely long shift of spinning chairs and throwing things. Very much. Things were thrown, but there wasn't very much spin, uh, chair spending today. He also had to deal with his only fan. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're coming on. So. He was yeah. being he was being harassed by his only fan. <laughs> he turned off his fan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So I guess uh, it. Game four has come and gone. Uh, the Canadians must have been swept because just like in every other series they've been in, you know, first round, instant sweep, second round, same thing, third, and now in the final. It's weird. Swept again. I don't know how they do it. Tampa just lost, so the mayor can have her wish and they can win the Stanley Cup. In Tampa. Oh, okay. Let's just, I was going to bring that up. May as well just jump right into the episode and start there. Seeing how you brought it up. So the Tampa mayor said, hey, lose game four, come home and win it for us. And now she just said in front of everybody, while talking about an emergency measures for a tropical storm that's hitting Tampa Bay right now, that it's nice to see the, uh, the guys back, whether, it, whether the game is delayed or not. It's nice to see them back for the last game of the playoffs. So she's doubling down. She's doubling down. So I don't know if Tampa's mayor has heard about the hockey gods and the vengeful karma that they bring, but 
I would just say if I were a Tampa Bay fan, which I'm not, so I'm saying keep going, but I know Tampa Bay fans are all saying, shut up. She is really not helping them. If it helps us out, I'm happy about it. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Anything to uh, get those 3,500 fans back at the Bell Center. And for those who are not watching, I said 3,500 in air quotes because, come on, that was that did not look like 3,500. They just moved everybody down to the 100s and the 200s. Yeah, which still holds 10,000. It was pretty much half full. So it was the lights. It was the lights. It wasn't people. Yeah, totally. There were lights. There were lights and holograms. Lights. Yeah. Uh, they were flashing, we, made it look like people were moving around. Just saying. Cardboard cutouts. What I would like to know cardboard cutouts. is when they bring in guys like Lafleur and Waugh and uh, Cornwyer and all those guys, do they count as the 3,500? No. They're not That's people. That's what they're legends. They don't count as people I, because they're I will they're consider legends. myself not people if I can go to a game. <laughs> I will or say that filtered. I am a, We're legends. I will say that I am a meat popsicle. A meat popsicle. <laughs> Fifth element re- reference. Yeah. <laughs> On uh, OnlyFans right now, Matt's posing as a Pete as a meat popsicle. If you want to go check it out, ninety nine cents. That's all it takes. It's the cheapest OnlyFans on the market. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Tampa's mayor is uh, causing Tampa Bay fans and the lightning themselves fits. Um, Game five, I mean, that's in jeopardy of not happening on time because of the tropical storm. So we'll see what happens there. But we'll go on as if it's going to happen because uh, who knows, right? It's not like Nothing has said otherwise. Yeah, exactly. It's not like they need to have fans in the building to have an NHL game which they've proven over the last year and a half. Um, Although I'm I'm pretty sure Tampa Bay would want to have their fans there just on the off chance that they could win that game. Really, like in brutal honesty. Um, All right, so let's see. The next step, before we get into game three, there was some chatter on Twitter and I don't know if this was real or if some prankster is trying to troll Habs Twitter or not, but uh, someone uh, someone asked if the Canadians end up losing to Tampa, a suggestion has been made that we hold a Stanley cup parade anyway, as a way to salute the team for a great season when they almost won the cup. Does anyone like that idea? And that that was actually floated out. Um, um, I'm trying to think. Oh, the guy who just said that he's uh, he's for CJAN or something like that. Yeah, uh, local radio, radio station. station. Mark Dumont came out and said there was no suggestion made for that, none whatsoever. So there's been no suggestions made. There's been no uh, whatever, right? So I don't know if this guy is making the suggestion himself. I think so. Uh, you know, so having said that, don't uh, there will be no parade. 
that would be just stupid. And uh, the Montreal Canadiens do not hang up banners in the rafters that say, we almost won. There are no conference championship banners. And if you do end up downtown after the Canadians come home, whether they win or lose, just line up along St. Catherine and someone will hand you a participation ribbon. Because that's basically what that is. Yes, the Canadians gave the fans an amazing season, a magical run, which has rekindled hope and possibly even rekindled the, the faith that the team could actually do something. So, yeah, that's great. But they didn't win. They just made the cup final, which is something 29 other teams wish they could have done. Yeah, exactly. And uh, doesn't really, I mean, you got to look at the season as a, the regular season's one season, the playoffs are a second season. Um, yeah, I know you're getting all the leaf trolls going on. Well, they finished 18th. They shouldn't have made it or they're only there because of price. I don't care why they're there. And I don't think you as a Leafs fan or, or a fan uh, of any team should care how your team got to the playoffs. The point is they made the playoffs. And then once you get to the playoffs, you're starting from zero again. So it's not yeah, like but Anderson didn't score as many goals as some random person picked uh, from another team's roster. I don't know for comparison reasons for no reason whatsoever. But is that person that he's being compared to scoring overtime goals in the Stanley Cup Finals right now? Well, obviously not. Well, then that's all that matters. Okay. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, like, uh, uh, this whole, I don't know, I don't even know what we're talking about right now. This whole narrative of... Uh, of uh, Participation ribbons. Participation ribbons and all this. You either win or you don't. Um, you can be proud of your team for making it as far as they did. You can be proud of your team for what they've done, considering they should never have been there. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. I consider most people never thought they should be there because a lot of people, including me and you, Blaine, had them being beaten by the Leafs in the first round. Not Matt, though. Matt had them going I've stuck with them the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Montreal's uh, not – I mean – I know there are teams that do hang banners up for for conferences and stuff for conferences and stuff, but Montreal is just not one of them. They either hang up, they hang up retired jerseys and Stanley cup banners and that's it period. Yep. It, they don't have parades for, we almost did it. So I'm sorry, no. but participation ribbons and trophies are stupid. If you really want to have a fan grouping, to show the team appreciation for what they have done. If the Canadians lose in Tampa Bay, when they fly back, have a crowd outside the, uh, the airport. Cheer, cheer them as they come in. Cheer them as they come in. Yeah, They'll appreciate that. It's not, uh, it's not as ostentatious as a friggin' parade for not winning something. Oh, how about this? If they win or lose, don't destroy the city. <laughs> you're asking a lot i know Whoa. i'm asking a lot we don't want another like you know vancouver. because because we're not gonna go because this isn't gonna be like a vancouver light like montreal fans are gonna do a hell of a lot more damage than vancouver ever could right so um well first of all it's not the fans it's the it's, degenerates yeah, it's that true. go in it's amongst true. the fans it's very so. true 
However, it only takes a couple of them to have Habs jerseys on, and it looks bad on the whole fan. Correct. So, yeah. Because no one like, in Montreal so, has no one in Montreal wears Habs jerseys for no reason. Well, there you go. Exactly. Ever. So yeah. So yeah, to all our listeners, if you're in Montreal or plan to be in Montreal, wear a Leafs jersey when you drive. <laughs> don't destroy your city. It's a beautiful city. Well, the it, this is the advice I give my young sailors when they start wanting to date their coworkers, don't shit where you eat. If you're, you don't go burn down your home in to spite someone or to celebrate. That is the dumbest thing that you could possibly do. Second dumbest thing is to date someone you work with directly because it rarely works out. Especially if you're married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your your spouse would get really angry if you start dating. I just had to break the silence that we're all having there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so moving on from that, from the public service announcements of Matt to game three, uh, game four, overtime, big win. Uh, clearly, everyone in the hockey world expected the Montreal Canadiens to pull out the big win there. That's why, you know, they had the Stanley cup polish. That's why Sportsnet was doing nothing, but talking about Tampa Bay and how great they are. So sweep. <laughs> what it, the only thing I have to say is I hope that you have receipts so you can return those brooms you bought. I think Sportsnet. the only I think, yeah, the only people really calling for a sweep or saying the sweep was going to happen was Leaf fans, really. It's the only ones you heard from. You know who wasn't saying sweep? Tampa fans. Like, actual no, Tampa they fans. Weren't. They weren't. They were no. like, hey, we're not uh, taking anything. We would like it, but we're not taking anything for granted. They're, they were doing what any rational fan or fan of a team, especially one involved in the game, would say. Because like you said earlier, the hockey gods and their karma – yeah, we had some. Yeah, we had some Canadians fans that were like, "Well, you know, fuck this team because they took Huck and the Emmy out, so I hope they get swept." Oh my god! Right. Well, we're going to get talk- into that, and we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But to the game itself, um, I mean, it really didn't start that well. Uh, the first no. what 12, 13 minutes, Canadians had one shot on net. And Tampa looked like they were just going to steamroll the Canadians. It, it was kind of reminded me of game two, only to Tampa's advantage than Montreal's. Uh, Tampa, I mean, the whole game, Tampa outplayed Montreal. I mean, I think the shot for, for, yeah, overall, but there were, overall, sp- there were moments. Second where, period, Montreal had a really good <clears throat> second period, but yeah, but um, they got unlucky, which we'll get to. I, I've got something to say about the goal that was scored in the second period, but <clears throat> the Canadians were getting steamrolled early. And for some reason they were still in the game and I can't put my finger on it. Uh, I think, I think it it rhymes with Harry Rice. Larry Bice. Say nice. Asked thrice. <laughs> <laughs> so Carey Price clearly kept the Canadians in the game. 
it was it was should have played Allen. Yeah, should have played Allen. Oh my God, we're overpaying this guy. Oh, wait. Scrolls back Twitter two weeks ago. Carrie Price is a god. Carrie, yeah. Anyway, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired of Habs social media. It's terrible. It's toxic. It's there's only it's only a handful of people that that uh, jump around based on how the game is going at a specific moment. What have you done for me right now? That's the that's what they are. Yeah, it's exactly. So Carey Price kept them in the game. He was making big saves. He was he was helping to clear the zone again. Like it, Tampa Bay's adjustments in the first three games to keep the puck away from Carey Price were working. But for some reason, uh, they, the puck was ending up where Carey can play the puck. And that helped them start to break out. And it ended up generating a wonderful chance up ice thanks to a 21-year-old first-line centerman. Nick Suzuki magically created a goal. Yeah, Kulak looked really good on that, too. He did. Bullock had an up and down game. I thought, like, I don't, I don't he know did. if we're going to get he into did. the dynamics of the game, but he, yeah. he was, he looked off at some times, and other times he looked like one of the best skaters out there on the ice. So yeah. he had a really, um, anyway, Blade. I don't know if you're getting into this dynamics of the game. We but. were going to, but sure, we can get to that. We can talk about Suzuki and all that after. We can, we can start with Kulak, and I thought Kulak, I mean, overall had a good game. Like, he he played the game the way you wanted your third pairing defender to play. He was reliable enough at five on five. He was able to give you uh, predictable levels of puck movement and defensive play. I mean, obviously he was outmatched on, on a couple of occasions against better competition, but for a third pairing guy, you could trust him to play upwards of 15 minutes which was more than you can say for Gustafson and Merrill. Yeah. They, I mean, I didn't, Merrill wasn't that bad. He wasn't terrible, but he wasn't. He, but he was he, all defense and no puck he, movement. Correct. Gustafson was all puck movement and no defense. So they kind of yeah. just off kiltered themselves. At if least they were a Kula- married couple. They'd be perfect. At least Kulak and Romanov gave you a little bit of both. Uh, exactly. Instead of, and Romanov actually had some big minutes. He actually played, uh, what, 13 minutes, I think? If I, I'd have to look it up. 12 16. Yeah. I 12, heard he 16, scored a goal, too. I heard a rumor that he scored a goal. <laughs> well, I think everyone that got inserted in that lineup, a Kulik, Kulak, uh, ended up getting a point. Evans got an assist. Romanov got a goal. Anderson got moved to the top line. Got, no, he didn't do anything in the playoffs. So, Hey, was what was it last last episode? I think I think one of us said that Anderson should play on the left wing with Suzuki and Caulfield. Was it was that with us? I'm pretty sure yes. that was it. I think I think some guy, a handsome bearded guy with a hat. Well, you said the you said the Anderson thing. <laughs> I wasn't on the show, but I'm like. There's the I handsome said, bearded guy with the hat right there. I said the Romanov Kulak thing right here, people. 
I'm going to pat myself on the back for 20 minutes, like some other podcasts that you may listen to. But let's be, uh, let's be brutally honest. I think pretty much everybody was saying play Romanov. Yeah. But I called Kulak. <laughs> but we didn't know if there he was actually going to play because even the lineup, even uh, when the, the skate first started in the morning, yeah, Gustin and Mer- but then again, all they did was practice the power play and they got one again. Something we talked about on last show. Why yes, bother I- practicing all day for the power play? We only get one or two power plays. And didn't I predict? I predicted one power play for the Canadians and four for Tampa Bay because obvious reasons. And that's what happened. And that's probably what's going to happen in game five. I mean, I'm not one for conspiracy theories, but it does seem awful. And I kind of wonder if there was another Canadian team in the finals would be the same way. Probably. I, 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 don't think... I, I, I honestly do believe, and I, you know, I may get in shit with this from the hockey writers or something. I honestly do believe Bettman does not want Canadian teams to do well in the NHL playoffs. That could be it, or it could just be because the referees suck. Just the teams that are stacked with Canadian players. No, Batman yeah. said they have the best officiators of any sport in the world, and even last night he doubled down and said they are rarely wrong. Speaking of rarely wrong, Tampa Bay's first goal. Um, yes, Kulak and the, and the Funky Bunch got themselves stuck on the ice after uh, a penalty kill they were out there a little long, too long it happens uh, but maroon interfered with one of the defenders That's knocking so cool. him oh that was the second goal yeah. oh my bad they were both shit but um that that goal there he interfered with the defender went in on a two-on-one and then when you're watching it you're like geez you know i could have sworn i counted six players wearing white jerseys one of them no maybe i was mistaken that had to have been you know a referee way down further down the ice i I, there's no way they missed an interference call and too many men on the ice because that would just be way too obvious and um no that that's what happened so it's not a conspiracy but best officials uh no and Shit happens. Shit Bad happens. calls happens. I don't mind. Missed. I don't mind officiating if it goes both ways. If you're if you're not going to call interfer- interference on one team, don't call it on the other. If you're not going to call slashing, don't call it on the other. What I don't get is last night you had. I don't. What I don't get about officiating is all the crap they do after a whistle. Rarely ever gets called. Yeah, yeah. you push a guy with your stick in front of the net, and it's a cross-checking penalty. But they called it. They threw six guys in the box. That one time, yes. <laughs> but what I'm saying is if you watch a, any NHL game, like, I mean, I watch probably a million NHL games in my lifetime, right? And uh, all this stuff after the whistle, they get referees point, yell, and do whatever. Guys are punching each other in the face or hitting each other in the face with the sticks. Not, nothing's called. And then you push a guy, you, you put your stick on his stick in an aggressive manner and don't even hit the guy, but his stick and it's a slashing penalty. Like, yeah. You know, either you got to revamp the rules or you got to re The issue with refereeing is there's no accountability. I don't care what Batman said last night about accountability. There's no accountability to referees. There's, not. there's absolutely There will zero. be if, 
if they want Vegas money for betting and the gambling money that they're, they're the other major leagues in North America get, if they want to cut of that action, there's going to have to be accountability for the officials. I'm not, I'm not calling officials out for poor work or uh, conspiracies or Batman wanting one team to win over another that no, I just think all the officials aren't that good. So if the NHL wants betting money, they got to improve. And the best way to, to improve is through accountability. If you officiate a poor game, you don't get another one. Simple as that. And then the cream rises to the top. Anyway, moving on from that trash, uh, back to the game four. Uh, Matt, what did you see in game four that you feel would uh, benefit the Canadians to continue doing into game five? Shea Weber just being absolutely fierce. But he's over the hill and useless. Yeah, something like that. Something like but, that. But you saw, <clears throat> um, you saw how, you saw how the energy that he played with, and just how like fierce he was playing, and uh, the hits he was throwing, and you, he, you could tell he was, he gave a shit, and um, I think not only him being the captain. But being a you know a veteran player in a situation where he's never been before, et cetera, when he took that penalty at the end of the game, you could see it in his eyes, and you could see it in the eyes of his teammates that you know they 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 were going to kill this off for him, and they did. Because he, he felt upset aw- it after you, the game. Yeah, because you, you you can tell he just felt awful about it. Yeah. But if um, you can get a guy like Weber to play like that and put that kind of spark into his team, which we saw with, uh, for instance, like, you know, the, here's the stat line for the night. He played 2351. He obviously took that double minor. He had five blocks, four hits, which I think he had a hell of a lot more than that. Um, and he had, and he was a plus one. Um, but you look at, um, look at guys like Sherratt and like Sherratt's been having a pretty good playoff as well. He had nine hits last night. And I think that, um, you look, you look at the Canadians right now, especially their defense that are playing, for the most part, they're playing injured. And I think that they, they played a very solid game. And I know we're going to get into the, the lineup changes in a, in a few minutes, but uh, I wouldn't make any, I wouldn't make any um, changes to this lineup. I, th- I think that uh, what Ducharme brought to the table, I think it worked out. Um, he, he talked very well about... Uh, the Jake Evans line and the fact that, you know, he can play them up against any line and it kind of showed last night that he could. And um, yeah, for me, if, uh, if your captain's playing the way that he's playing, I think it's kind of, it just, it it just brings that level of energy throughout your lineup. So you wouldn't want to bring Kotkaniemi back into the lineup? It's who would you take out though? That's the thing. At this point, who would you take it? No one. Well, I mean, right. you I'm not going to. I'm not, not going to. But I'm not going to break up that fourth line. Right, I'm not going to break up that fourth line. They talked about the Evans line. 
um, being able to play against anybody. And we saw them play against the McDavid line a little bit before the end of the season. And um, they played with pace. They played with energy. They were in on the four check, et cetera. Like uh, Evans played 1646. Um, Lekkonen played 1612 and Byron played 1626. So, you know, those are, those are, you know, third line numbers, whatever they were killing penalties, et cetera. Like as much as I like Kakeniemi right now, there's no spot in the lineup for him. He's the only person like who, like I said, who are you going to take out? And I, well, I, I would, and I wouldn't take, and I wouldn't break up the fourth line, as I said. And playing devil's advocate, you bring up the, uh, the point that Ducharme brought up on um, wanting to re- renew that, that, line that covered McDavid so well in the regular season. Yeah. So if you're doing that, why not bring back the top possession line over the last two years in the NHL and put Tatar back in the lineup so that yeah. he can rekindle that line? Yeah. Because Tatar doesn't do anything in the playoffs and he disappears. He's not the same player in the playoffs as he is in the regular I'm, season. At which I do not argue whatsoever. <clears throat> yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with there's, that. There's definitely an argument yeah. to be made. And, and, and a lot of people were calling for – Tatar to be put in the lineup for the offense and for, for Kulak to come in and Romov to come in and to play Jake Allen and all these just major changes. And um, with the lineup they've got right now, I, I, I wouldn't make an adjustment. I mean, if we're being honest with Kanyemi, he has not played well this series at all. Well, you could say that about pretty much everyone. You can play that against. It, you can, you can say that against multiple players. Yeah. You can say that against multiple players, but, and it's like, uh, it's like Ducharme said. I don't want. I'm not taking my wingers out to put in and to put Evans in, right? I'm not breaking up the the fourth line because that fourth line actually keeps the puck in the offensive zone more than any other line on the ice. Uh, he's not, you know, break. Toffoli's not coming out. Anderson's not coming out. Lekin and Byron, none of those guys are coming out. So it's either Evans or Cotton. Personally, to my own opinion, Evans and Cotton Emmy are interchangeable to me. You can use one or the other. Evans brings you a little bit more defense. He can kill penalties, you know, and with the amount of penalties that uh, Montreal get, has been getting in this series, maybe it does make more sense to have Evans out there because you have that extra body on the penalty kill. But then again, Cotton Emmy is an extra body on the power play, which you don't get much of. But yeah, it just seems to me, and like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it just seems that in this playoff, or at least so far, in a game that Evans is in the lineup, Ducharme, Ducharme will favor him over Cotton Emmy, even if he's in the lineup. He trusts him more. And it's yeah. clear. And to your point, to your question of who would you take out, uh, why not take out Lekkonen? You could take Lekkonen out and put uh, Kotkaniemi in. Lekkonen had the lowest expected goals for in that game at just under 14%. The lowest. So you could make an argument that Kotkaniemi can easily slot into the lineup in his stead. You can keep him on the wing or you can move Evans to the wing and you end up with about the same look. But was he taking out Kotkaniemi? He wasn't bringing Evans in to create more offense. He was moving Anderson up to create the offense and bringing Evans in to have more balanced defense. To create lines. another shutdown line. Another shutdown line. So really the XGF wouldn't have mattered. Stat wouldn't have really mattered because he wasn't looking for more goals. 
Yeah, and yeah, I see what you're saying, and that's why I'm saying they're to me they're interchangeable. Evans and Cottenemi interchangeable. I, I can see Lackanen coming out, but again, you're losing another PK guy, and with the amount of PKs that we're getting, <laughs> valid point. Do you uh, want to lose another PK guy? But uh, to further this discussion, I'll put out another point that we could take a look at, and. Kotkaniemi was a third overall pick. He is supposedly a cornerstone player for the Canadians in the long term. It's obvious Suzuki is going to be a star player. And they're going to rely on him heavily. Which they have. Which they have already. And we'll, yep. we'll talk about him in a bit. But Kotkaniemi is supposed to be that other center that they rely on. <clears throat> the big physical two-way centerman that they're looking for to play in that two, the two seat. So aren't these games, the kind of games you want him dressed for, even if he's on a wing playing with Evans at center, do you not want him playing? I want whatever lineup's going to get me the Stanley cup period. <sighs> and if I'm the coach and I trust Evans more than I trust cotton Emmy, then no. Cottenham should not cut in my overall opinion. This should be Cottenham's first year in the NHL. Period. But it's not. It's not. And, so um... I and I have no issue with the way what they're doing with Cottenham. Cottenham has proved time and time again he doesn't have the consistency yet. So <clears throat> with Evans being brought in as uh, to lead a shutdown line, a second one, do you think that points to and I'm going to ask Matt this question. Do you think that points to Deno being allowed to walk away because you're going to trust Evans in a shutdown role at center? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think that, I think that um, Evans is more or less being groomed for a fourth line position that can play up the lineup if need be. But if he's brought in instead of what is supposed to be a cornerstone center, I, I, agree, I agree. I agree. It seems like it's a, it's more of a, it's a larger role that they're grooming him for than just fourth line. I'd say, you know, how Bergevin is, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's enigmatic. Shifty. He's shifty. Enigmatic. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like the word enigmatic. It sounds fancy. And mysterious. Like the Joker. Which one, though? Like, I think he's more the like... The Joaquin Phoenix Joker? I think he's more like the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Yes. Is it because of the suit? Or because yes. he the likes suit, to dance? The suit, the hair, the fact he dances, everything. It's all the same. I think it's the same person. I don't think Joaquin Phoenix actually played the Joker. I think it was Mark Bergman. You know, you've never seen the two together at the same time. No, you have not. You know, this is a documentary that Jay Baruchel should. Uh, I was just thinking, Jay Bear. I thought we should ask Jay Baruchel. <laughs> he would know. He he would be perfect for putting this together. I, I going back to your question, I kind of agree with you. I, yeah. I think he they're grooming Evans to see to know what's to know going to ask for. If it's too much for what they want to pay, they're going to let him walk. And the reason I I I went down this path is to kind of set the stage to explain why I don't think it's a huge issue 
that Kotkaniemi didn't get in for a game or two in the Stanley Cup final. I think it sucks, especially for him, because he's, you know, he's one of the top scoring centermen, 20 and under, in NHL history in the playoffs. He brings a lot more to the team in the playoffs than people really give him credit for. He really does. And personally, I would have him in. But with the way the team is going in the future, especially cap-wise, having Evans showing that he can take on larger roles, I think that's a silver lining that people can take a look at. If we're going to have like positive vibes only, like we've been putting out on Twitter, you know, hoping for the team to do something. Um, I think that's one way we can look at it in a positive manner. I, I mean, you also got to look at where is uh, Ryan Paling at in his development? Where do they see him next year? I honestly think <clears throat> they see him as an NHL center next year. And, and that that's where you got to look at. So you yeah. can't have Suzuki, Kotniemi, Evans, Paling, and Deneau. That's five. That's five centers. And that's that's kind of the path I'm seeing. <laughs> right. So you're either like you're Lego. either push you're either pushing Paling to the wing, right? Which he looked like shit doing what, last time. When he yeah. Or you're looking at what he did in Laval and going, hey, wait a minute, this guy actually does have the potential we thought he had. He could be a good third or fourth line center. Now what are we doing with Jake Evans? And Dano. So yeah, it. I mean, we can all say it, we can all agree it kind of sucks not to see Kutkinami in the lineup. But if the team wins, they're not going to change that lineup. They should have changed this lineup after game, you know, after a game two loss. Even though they yeah. played extremely well in game two, they should have made a, some kind of lineup change. So here we are. They're uh, this is pretty much what's going to be in the next game. And sticking to that, I mean, we talked a little bit about Romanov. Uh, we talked about we talked about Anderson a little bit. I want to get back to that. I want to start with the Suzuki line. Um, we I've I've mentioned it before that I felt that Suzuki's line is a is a number one line in the NHL already. Suzuki Caulfield together with Toffoli was a number one line. Take Toffoli off, you throw Anderson in, still a number one line. I think Anderson brings a different dimension than Toffoli does. And we saw it, we saw it in game five, uh, game four. What did we see? Did we see an an $11 million player? And Suzuki? No. Well, eventually. Yeah. But I'm talking about Anderson. I mean, (laughs) Um, the way style Anderson plays, he's going to get you your 20, 25, maybe 30 goals, but he's not going to get you. 70, 80 points. He, he no, he's a Cy Young scorer. He's yeah, going to he get may... 25 goals and 10 assists. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Yep. Because Anderson was not signed to 5.5 million points to score 60, 70 points. Or $5.5 million for 60, 70 points. He scored, gave him $5.5 million to provide <clears throat> um, 25 to 30 goals to check a lot of people and play solid two-way hockey. Play a power forward game. Correct. There are so few true power forwards in the NHL to have one in your lineup. You got to use them properly. And like I mentioned in the last episode, having him play in his off wing 
is the perfect thing, especially when he's, he's shown that he's been crashing the net a lot, especially against Tampa in this series. When you're crashing to the net, when you're on your off wing, it opens up more of the net. And we saw that with the first goal of the game that Caulfield didn't assist on. It wasn't in overtime, so he didn't assist it. Um, he was open. The whole net was open to him on his shot because he was coming in off his off wing. Suzuki laid it out perfectly for him, tape to tape for him to bury it. So, I mean, come on. We got a 1C right there who steps up his game in the playoffs. People pay a lot of money for those guys. And there he is on an entry-level deal. Well, he should be on a... Bergevin, if Bergevin's smart, he'll sign him to a long-term deal in the offseason. ASAP. Yeah, he's on. he's got one more year under his entry-level contract, so he should he, be eligible for an extension after the UFA season reopens. And and you, you guarantee Tom Dundon's waiting in the weeds to throw an offer sheet on somebody. Well, no, he would have to spend money. <laughs> he just, hey, he's he just bought out all his minority owners of the Carolina Hurricanes. He's... Yeah, yeah, with with Chick Fil A coupons, <laughs> NASCAR tickets. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, the guy is so bitter; he's throwing a hurricane at Tampa Bay. He's that upset about the offer sheet. He decided he's going to throw a hurricane at Tampa Bay. And the fact Tampa Bay scored a winning goal with six players on the ice. Against his team. Against his team. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Seems to be a running theme with these guys. They're just that Uh, good. Yeah. Hey, again, there is no cap limit on the number of players on the ice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So, to Caulfield. Matt, you know what I'm getting at when it comes to Caulfield and how clutch he is. You want to give her... Give our listeners a little idea what I'm, what we're getting at. For me, he's just he's just bursting with confidence right now. I don't have that stat. If you're asking, for that stat. <laughs> that's that's I was setting I know, you up. Yeah, I know you're asking for that. I I have a Romanov stat and I have a Price stat. I do not have a Caulfield stat right now. Are you talking about the fact that he's the youngest player to have three primary assists in overtime or something like that? Or yeah. He had the overtime assist that helped the Habs sweep the Jets. He had the overtime assist that helped the Habs uh, win uh, win game four to get them back into the series against Toronto. And he had the overtime assist on Anderson's overtime goal in the Stanley Cup final. It's not bad for a guy who has one dimensional and all he can do is score goals. Yes. And he's, he's going to get destroyed. He's too small to play in the NHL, especially in the playoffs on a long playoff run there it's impossible he would survive i mean the kid got what 12 points and 16 playoff games or something like that i gotta look it up well played 19 so far yeah so suzuki has 16 points in 21 playoff games this season Cofield has 12 and 19 12 and 19 there you go so that's not bad for a guy who's never officially played his rookie season in the nhl yet that's right yeah, so the first rookie in NHL history with three OT points in a single postseason. Yeah. Yeah. You guys broke down, obviously, where they came from. So, yeah. Primary, so yeah, primary assist in the Jets, primary OT in this one, and then the, the comeback against the Leafs. 
So for me, what that points to is, is that Caulfield has offensive abilities, but he's not the guy that's going to be padding stats no. when, he's, uh, he's, when the he's game's not, out of hand. At the same time, he's not a one-trick pony because everyone said he was right. just a goal scorer. <clears throat> yeah, which isn't a, which isn't a bad thing to have, but I can see him being a guy that's going to give you 30 goals, but he's still going to be able to, excuse me, give you 20, 25 assists as well. He might even score more goals. We'll see. And like you can, we can see, we've seen it already that uh, he's, he's put some dents in a couple posts this, uh, this postseason. So said so the guy, the guys, the guy's confidence just building game after game and um, defenders are starting to take him a little bit more serious. And it's, it's not just the points. Like it's not like he's, he's putting up like four or five points in a game when the game's out of hand or whatever he's, He's getting points when the game matters. He's getting, you know, when you need a goal to get back in the game, he gets you one. You need a goal to win a game. He gets you one. I mean, he scored two overtime. His first two NHL goals were overtime winners. The kid, this kid, he's just starting his career. And already you can see that he's got that special, that it factor that he's got that something else that little special thing that makes players want to raise their game when it matters most yet as many goals as nick robertson in the ahl but he only played two games just saying facts are facts and 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 in those two games he scored both game winners yeah one in overtime (laughs) which just continues to prove my point the kid is this kid is going to be a special player for the canadians Paired up with Nick Suzuki, I think I think we have the makings, and if Anderson does work out on that top line, I think we have the makings of probably one of our best lines in 30 I mean, years. So you put Toffoli there, you put Anderson there, you could put um, a name a player. There. That pairing will be your top line. And it's going to do great, I think. So moving to game five, we're going to uh, – I mean, we're running a bit long here, so we'll just get to game five. So it, we'll pretend it happens. Matt, you've mentioned something you'd like to see. What do you think the Canadians have to avoid? Uh, they need to stay disciplined. You can't you can't play with fire that much. And uh, I, I know when Weber took that penalty, I know my head dropped pretty hard. And uh, just like he did when he hit when he went to the box, um, this is like they're 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 playing incredible on the penalty kill. But at the same time, you look at I don't know what the stats at now for for Tampa, but I'll just I'll say ballpark. They're above thirty five percent, which is very high. Yes, Montreal. Yes, Montreal's got a ninety. 92%, 93%, whatever the hell it is now after last night. Um, penalty kill, they just can't rely on it that much. So for well, me, they've only allowed for, two power play goals against in this series. Still, they can't, they can't, um, they can't rely just on, on, on Carey Price. Uh, Carey Price's numbers in elimination games are phenomenal, and I've got them here. So far in this playoff, he's 4 0 with a 1.85 goals against and a 944 save. But you don't want to ride Carey Price um, throughout the rest of this series, how many ever games it's going to go. And um, 
you don't want to ride the big four defensemen that much, killing penalties, blocking shots, et cetera, because it's just going to get to the point where they're going to be wore down. And when the game matters the most, you got to have to rely on your five, six guys a little bit. That's where your mistakes are going to happen. I, uh, I, I feel it's all of that is, is uh, I agree with, <clears throat> but for me, the bigger aspect of it would be when the Canadians are finally getting something going and then they take a dumb penalty or a penalty is called, you're handing the momentum right back to a team that knows what to do with it. They may not score on that power play, but now they got the legs under them. They're going to put an energy line out right after. Now you've been stuck in your zone for three, four shifts. And the chance, the, the percentages are they're going to score eventually. So you don't want to hand that momentum right back. Uh, Treg, what about you? Um, I think they need to find a way to shut down the Gord line. If you really look at all the stats in these in the Stanley Cup finals, it hasn't been the Kucherov point. It hasn't been their top guys. It's been their third and fourth lines they're scoring on Montreal. The problem is, is Montreal has their best defenders out against the top line or the top two lines. And then when these guys come out, um, Montreal's already penned in their area and they're, they're just a go, go, go line. And that's the strength of Tampa Bay. The strength, the depth in Tampa Bay is just too strong. It's too, it's too deep, but uh, you're absolutely right. They got to uh, uh, get pucks in deep and uh, go to the net, uh, create some space, uh, 110%. You know, get some bodies in front of the net and uh, 110%. But it, no, uh, I, you know, uh, you just don't know what's going to happen out <laughs> take there. Take some trappers uh, to the take some trappers to the nose. Get take one for the team. You know, uh, uh, you you, you got to bleed for the boys. You know, uh, <laughs> get out there and uh, you know you just you do your best and and you, you you bleed for the guy next to you. I mean that that goal that goal that was scored is probably the top of my list there. Yeah, probably one probably one of the big ones there. I'll remember that forever. Uh, it was all haze. Um, <laughs> But no, honestly, I mean, seriously, what they got to do is they got to find a way to, and I think that's why going back to what we talked about earlier, they brought in that Evans line because they're hoping because they need an extra line to shut down an extra line. And uh, so far it worked last game. Um, Yeah. Just got to keep giving her. Yeah. And target the star players. Doing what they were doing on point in that last game. And I still think they need to get more bodies in front of the net. That too. So yeah, they're having a hard time getting traffic in front. I mean, even if you just get one guy going to the front of the net, you're going to take a defender with you. So there's two bodies in front of Vasilevsky. Now he's still going to fight to see the puck and he's, he is one of the best in the world at doing it, but you'll notice that there, when he's doing it, he's, he's looking above and over. So he's, he's outstretched. He's got a hand on a shoulder. You know, he's, he's looking over top the player. When you see a play like that happen, shoot low. Just shoot low. He might get down in time and create a rebound because he won't be able to control it or it'll go in or something, but you got a guy there for a rebound. So you take advantage of those. Um, and, and when you mentioned the Gord line, I think the big, the big adjustment of bringing in Romanov and Kulak, I think that really helped in neutralizing the impact of that line because they were feasting off that third pair. And with Kulak, he's able to skate the puck out of danger. You saw it. We saw it many, many times. Yes. He made a mistake and it ended up in the net. We also but, noticed the fact that they could play that line together and they go, can play them together. 
going back to that goal, I think the mistake is more by, by Toffoli. I find Toffoli takes too much time trying to figure out what to do with the puck. And yeah. then he ends up losing it. Although Kulak, it was a comedy of errors. It wasn't that goal wasn't just on Kulak. Comedy pinched, of errors. It was not funny. Uh, he, I'm offended. Kulak, I'm offended. When are you're francophone? When aren't you offended? When, when you're buying me drinks. Hello. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Tabernak. <laughs> Tabernak is cute. <laughs> but uh, so I mean, I. I'm not going to blame that goal solely on Kulak because Toffoli wasted too much time at that blue line trying to figure out what the hell he was going to do with that puck. Yeah, and, so. and my point is that he's he's not perfect. No, There's a no, reason no. he's a third-pairing guy. Yeah. But he provides more on the third pairing than just a one-dimensional aspect of the game. He Correct. can play some defense. He can play some offense. And he's excellent at transition. And like Matt said, you can actually play that pair together and not Rest really have to worry four. too much about it. Yeah. Which they well, did yeah. last night, especially when two of the top four were sitting in the box for like six minutes or something like that. Yeah. So when Perry and Schrott <laughs> were in the box, they had to give Romanov more ice time. And it just so happened that Romanov scored when he was given that ice time. So, uh, you know, they can, they can do it. So, I think the biggest key here is that the Canadians have to, they just have to play with that desperation they played against Toronto when they were, their backs are against the wall that they played with at the end throughout game four. Um, If they can do that, then I think they can have one more game in Montreal. But I think if they go back to Montreal, they're going to win there too, because no other team has won the cup in Montreal except for the Calgary flames in 1989. Yeah, the keep only reminding team. me of that. That was that was a painful memory for me. The only team to win a cup in Montreal besides the Montreal Canadiens. And the only and time I never let t- it happen again. <laughs> Every time someone tells me about '89 and how you know the Canadians lost that series at home, I keep telling them to go screw themselves. Except for one person, the only person who ever brought it up to me, and I did not tell him to, go, uh, to didn't tell him off was Landy McDonald. I, I ran into him at an airport. <laughs> we, we started chatting. He mentioned, I'm like, well, congratulations on that Stanley Cup win then, sir. <laughs> because he'd probably kick my ass. Patrick Wall just let him have it because he knew he was retiring. Well, I was like, I'll win another one. It's all right. Yeah. I got, I got some more championships in my goalie. <laughs> <laughs> Skip the dishes. <laughs> Isn't that Uber so, Eats? Hmm? Isn't it Uber Eats? I think so. Doesn't mm. matter. They're all the same. That's true. They're DoorDash. We'll say DoorDash. DoorDash. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, any final thoughts, Matt? I just hope there's a game. Uh, I just hope there's a game tomorrow night. To be honest, that's all I give a shit about. Are you going to be off and able to watch? I'll be home in time for the game, and then I don't have to wake up to an alarm the next day. So it can it can go nine overtimes. I won't give a shit. <laughs> I'm on vacation, so yeah, I'm the same way. There you go. Drag final thoughts? Uh, no, but I want to thank everyone who followed me today. I mentioned that I was trying to get to two thousand before the end of the season. So needy. Well, I wasn't actually asking for things. That all I, I what I really said is I'm hoping to get two thousand. I'm not going to make it. And I went from uh, 1903 to 1974 in the past two hours. So that's not too bad. Well, it was a good shit. year. 
Yeah. So it's my birth year. So there you go. Made it to my birth year. I'm happy now. Well, I mean, I got to catch up to you guys. You're like at 5,000. He's at like 37,000. So, well, if anyone's listening, I need 115 to get to 13,000. So, if you guys can do that for me by the end of the year, that'd be great. <laughs> How many are bots, though, Matt? Probably about 11,000. <laughs> <laughs> there was someone that I used to write for, and they taught me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Bots matter. Yeah, the there's nothing. Be- there's nothing more important than pretend numbers and no interaction with anyone. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, for me, final thoughts: uh, the promo codes. So, builtbar.com. Use promo code unfilter twenty. Save yourself ten percent off any purchase. You, same same promo code unfiltered twenty. Go to East Coast Lifestyle. Save twenty percent off your purchases online. And unfiltered twenty. When you go to SeatGiant.ca, when you're buying tickets to games, concerts, whatever, go to SeatGiant.ca for your event tickets, and you'll save thirty five percent off of your purchasing fees, which can become a very expensive proposition so 35 percent off your fees is a significant amount so these are our gifts to you to thank you for listening to us uh we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to all our episodes um you've helped make this a little bit more successful than it should be and we appreciate that and yes even you trolls who uh consistently click and listen just to make fun of us later we appreciate you so um thanks for listening and remember if you were talking about it so are we do you have a problem getting big city slams are you not getting the gains at the gym well don't mortgage your future on rental supplements get burgy arms burgy arms get you the gains you need Burgie Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Burgie Arms, Burgie Arms, Burgie Arms today. Not a real product, mate. They make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use, if you're healthy, if you want to loyalty, buy a dog. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep 
and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.